Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Peace and thank you for tuning in into another episode of the Creative Habits Podcast. How you doing today, my love? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I can't complain. Um, let's talk about activism today. Activism. What does that mean? Activism is the doctrine or practice of vigorous action or involvement as a means of achieving political or other goals, sometimes demonstrations, protests, and etc. What is activism to you? Um, activism to me is pan-Africanism. Mm-hmm. So uh, by that I mean all things African. The premise or the foundation that I live by to ensure that I know who I am, my child knows who I am, and we uh, move forth in that mm-hmm. direction. To elaborate more, I think it's about making sure that he has knowledge of self and his history. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the times in education, you don't get that information as to who you are in depth. So making sure that he has a foundation where he doesn't feel insecure about who he is and where he comes from. And knowing that his opportunities are endless, I think that um, we are now living in a time where we don't have to limit our children as to what they can do. Mm-hmm. So there's representation of us in film, in art, in all forms of different things that you can become. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just making sure that he knows that there are so many people of color, black people that have thrived and are able to do so many different things that he has no limitations um, I, I believe that's a form of activism because um, black men are not always portrayed in the best light. Mm-hmm. So just making sure and ensuring that he knows that he is um, a beautiful black man, a beautiful black boy. That is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, How about yourself? Activism to me is whenever you feel disenfranchised or whenever you feel that things aren't equal or the scales are a little bit heavy on one side and light on the other, um, just shedding light to it, you Mm -hmm. know, shedding light to situations that feel unjust. Mm -hmm. I believe that activism is what created America as we know it. Mm. Activism has a, a great deal of roots within this country and it created opportunities that we would have never had, Mm -hmm. uh, back in, like, I guess, in slavery days? Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be able to vote. We wouldn't be able to work. We mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to pursue the dreams that we wanted because education was limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are so many people who paved the way for us to be where we are today. Absolutely, absolutely. What about your art? Is your art activism? I believe it is to an extent. Um, I think that interpreting stories and, and while well, portraying my own story mm. is a form of activism because blackness is not monolithic. And mm. I think that black people 
all different kinds of people have different stories. Mm-hmm. And to trump what the media portrays of any type of person, it's important for us to tell our own story Absolutely. and to share our own experiences so that the world can see a different light and a different perspective of who people truly are. Yes. So I'm just not going to limit it to black people. I think everybody um, can have, have a stance and a form of activism in changing the world and the worldview um, based on us connecting with one another with our stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I believe uh, I try to convey activism within my art as well, um, mm-hmm. just portraying beauty outside of the European standard, um, taking portraits of mostly black and brown people or just showing different ways that people are beautiful and not just one tunnel vision way of what they portray is that. When did you realize that that's the type of art that you wanted to depict and practice? A lot of the magazines that... um, back in like early 2000s were produced like Vogue or this, that, and the third, um, usually showed uh, more fair skin, lighter skin people just walking down the street. It's like, oh, that, that person's right there is, is beautiful. Why mm-hmm. shouldn't, w- why wouldn't she be on a magazine cover or, I don't know, it's just, it's just something that, that drives me to use my talents and to show, you know, I don't want to say favoritism, but just to show the world that there's other standards and and the the world is is much broader than what they convey. Yeah, I can see that and I do appreciate photographers like you especially that share their work on social media because I think you guys even though the media doesn't want to admit it fully. Mm. Um you guys are the ones that inspired people like Vogue and mm-hmm. the different magazine companies to actually um, be inclusive of all different body types and all different mm-hmm. um, images yeah. of what beauty is. I think the definition of beauty is now broad when it used to be a specific thing. Yeah. And so, yeah. It, it, it definitely took a turn because a lot of uh, us, a lot of black, brown, and, and quote-unquote minorities took the narrative in our own hands and produced that. Definitely. You know, especially because it's social media age. Um, you can create your own narrative. You can tell your own story. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. Definitely. And I hope that um, people now are during this time where we're requesting and demanding um, a certain level of respect and equality, um, that more more art-related businesses in the creative industry hire more people. Mm-hmm. Um, of color, um, because I think that we would add to, we, we would enhance what's already there. And I think um, because they are inspired by us <laughs> without giving credit, mm-hmm. it's 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 only right to employ people. Yeah, we can only add value to, you know, their organizations. Right. Um, let's talk about one of my favorite activists. Who's um, that? Mr. Fred Hampton. Um, Fred Hampton mm-hmm. was... An American Black Party Panther activist and revolutionary socialist. He was from Chicago as a chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and the deputy chairman of the National BPP. In this capacity, he founded the Rainbow Coalition, a prominent multicultural political organization that initially included 
the Black Panthers, the Young Patriots, the Young Lords, and an alliance among major Chicago street gangs to help end the infighting and work towards social change. What was, um, you mentioned Chicago street gangs, but I'm a little bit confused by gangs, right? Mm -hmm. So did they start off negatively or were they positive? Um, Like what was the purpose of a gang? Um, From what I think, from what I remember that, um, you know, the Bloods and Crips, right? They were an offshoot of the Black Panther Party because Mm -hmm. there was a lot of um, police brutality going on in the neighborhood. And they figured out why not just police our own neighborhood, start these own coalitions and, um, you know, protect the community. Um, Somewhere along the lines, that vision got lost. I'm not sure what was going on in Chicago in the 1960s and 70s. I'm pretty sure it was a lot of crime just because a person like Fred Hampton said, why don't we just work together, Mm. you know? So, um, okay. I'm not sure why they started or whatever, but. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) No problem. I just think it's interesting that one man or a group of people can unite the gangs in Chicago Especially during, I think this is after like um, the mob era, you know, the Italian mobs, uh, the Irish mobs, whatever. Mm, interesting, yeah. And um, yeah, it's just super interesting. In 1967, Hampton, who was identified by the FBI as a racial threat, let me say that again, as a racial threat. Radical. Radical threat. The FBI tried to subvert his Activities in Chicago, sowing disinformation among black progressive groups Mm. and placing a counterintelligence operative in the local Black Panthers. A counterintelligence operative. Let me. So I guess a black guy who's really a cop. In December 1969, Hampton was shot and killed in his bed during a pre-dawn raid at his Chicago apartment by a tactical unit of the Cook County State Attorney's Office in conjunction with the Chicago Police Department and the FBI. During the raid, another Panther was killed and several seriously wounded. Mm -hmm. In January 1970s, a coroner's jury held an inquest and ruled the death of Hampton and Mark Clark to be justifiable homicide. Insane. What do you think about that? Mm, it brings up a lot of thoughts. For one, these pre-dawn raids are still happening today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to not even powerful people, but regular people. We used to call them jump out boys back really? in the day when I was a teen. Yeah. Shame. Because, you know, I think of Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. But um, aside from that, I really, I didn't learn, I didn't know specifically about Fred Hampton until, you know, you mentioned that he was your favorite activist. Mm-hmm. Being a radical threat to the United States of America, you may be uh, depicted as a terrorist. And so I think during those periods of times, anyone that spoke up too much and had a, a level of control over people in a positive light mm-hmm. um, was considered to be a threat. And I think that anyone that is a threat has to be eliminated. It says, uh, in the 1950s and 60s, the FBI feared a black messiah, Mm -hmm. someone 
capable of inspire, inspiring excuse me, and leading the black nation might emerge to challenge the U.S. status quo. They were especially concerned about Malcolm X, hmm. Martin Luther King, Huey Newton, and Fred Hampton. Hmm. I'm, I'm surprised and also not surprised that Martin Luther King Jr. is on that list. Mm-hmm. Surprised because of how he's depicted in history now. Um, he's one of the main major black people that are um, celebrated during Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I'm not surprised because um, prior to his assassination, they, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., and a few other freedom fighters were all coming together yeah. to figure out how to get equality for black people. And don't you hate when um, certain people... When you're having a debate with certain people and like, and they bring up Martin Luther King and be like, what will Martin Luther think, King <laughs> think about this today and whoop, 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 and this, that, and the third? And like, yeah, I don't hate it, but I um, feel sorry for the person mm-hmm. because, yes, he was a nonviolent person, but even with you saying that, he got assassinated. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, regardless of whether or not we're violent, like Malcolm X, or nonviolent, mm-hmm. Why isn't here to why isn't he he here today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel bad for that person because it's like you can't make a statement like that yet still you you see that the person that tried to make a difference is not here today. Yeah. And it's it's funny that he didn't die from the gunshot wound. He was suffocated in his hospital bed. That's a story that um I have not heard, I had not heard until mm. very recently. Yeah. And that makes it even sadder to me. So maybe it was another uh, counterintelligence operative. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, how do you think um, the Black Panther Party relates to the Black Lives Matter movement today? Black Lives Matter, I believe, is doing very wonderful things for um black people in the community. Absolutely. However, I'm not necessarily sure in specificity. Is that the word? <laughs> specificity. Specificity. In specificity. <laughs> okay, let's skip that word. But yeah. I don't know um, in detail what those things were that the Black Lives Matter movement have done. So mm-hmm. I see in on social media um, these rallies and these um, speeches that yeah. are given by Black Lives Matter or partnerships with companies that, you know, support the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, yet I feel that black the Black Panther Party was so much more powerful um, and so much more visible in communities that were um, facing extreme poverty and not having the support from governments. Um, by that, I mean that uh, they made sure that children were educated yes. and knew their history, that no children in the neighborhoods that the Black Panther parties were had food. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that they taught their children about activism and how to be a conscious African person. A lot of the programs that America practiced today was um, started by the Black Panthers Party, like the food drives and interesting. Uh, a lot of community centers that, um, you know, kids in the inner city neighborhoods can come to and, you know, just be kids, you know. Right. Not only that, I believe that the Black Panther Party 
um, also decided that they would protect children, women, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. elders in their community that were being discriminated against um, and being taken advantage of. I believe that um, you saw more action with Black Panther Party, whereas mm-hmm. with Black Lives Matter, maybe they are doing a lot of action, but I, I don't think to the extent that the Black Panther Party were doing. Yeah. So much so that the government wanted to remove them. Because they feared a black messiah. And to dismember all of the positive positive things that they were trying to do yeah. for their communities. I mean, don't get us wrong. The Black Panther Party had its goods and its bads. Um, like any organization. Yeah. Sometimes it could, be, it could be extremely sexist. But in certain branches, there were different branches all over the U.S., uh, New York, Chicago, uh, L.A., mm-hmm. um, Washington, D.C., and depending on the branch, um, the amount of sexism differed, you know what I mean? But there were a lot of prominent uh, women in the Black Panther Party as well. I think there were misogynistic tendencies in, in many organizations mm-hmm. um, because, you know, just the way that the world is structured is yeah. pro. Yeah, pro. <laughs> Patriarchy and yeah. male, you know, dominance. But I, you know, I, I the difference I see is significant um, as to what the Black Panther Party movement was doing, um, because the Black Lives Matter movement is still here. Yeah. I don't think that they are a radical threat to mm-hmm. society because they also try to stand with society, yeah. where I believe that um, stand in society by saying that, you know, all lives, you know, all lives are important, but black lives matter right now. Yeah. But we need all of the races to support this one movement. Whereas the Black Panther Party movement says, we don't care if you accept us or not. Mm-hmm. Just let us be, you know, just let us have have the things that we need to thrive. Yeah. <laughs> Separate from what y'all are doing. But, you know, if you don't accept us, then that's cool. Like, And the Black Lives Matter group are more inclusive than the mm-hmm. Black Panther Party. Um, from what I've seen um, in the past, it's usually a lot of uh, it's usually a lot of diversity within the the Black Lives Matter group. Uh, white, Asian, um, whatever whatever race that yeah, feels disenfranchised or tired of the BS, they they're there. I, I do believe, even though that the Black Panther Party wasn't um, for all races, they still mm-hmm. had the Rainbow Coalition. They still mm-hmm. had other organizations that they partnered with. Absolutely. It's just those individual organizations had certain missions yeah. that they wanted to fulfill within their own races. Yeah, yeah. So they wanted to build and fix and make sure that their foundation was right. And then they would unite to push forth those, mm-hmm. you know, be activists in their own movements, but together. Yeah. If that makes sense. And there was a lot of um, Asian camaraderie within the Black Panthers Party, too, because they felt disenfranchised and unequal to the status quo of America as well. I've seen a lot of pictures of, like, you know, cool-looking Asian dudes with dark sunshades and leather jackets. No, they were all there, babe. They were all there. I, I think that everybody who was discriminated against in the United States of America all united because it was also Native Americans that were Absolutely. part of that movement Absolutely. as well. So um, I think that I wish that all of those different parts of our history 
were told in schools mm-hmm. because it's important. The truth, you know, and I think that we're in a position that we are now um, because not we all don't know our history. Yeah, a lot of the history, uh, def- I definitely didn't. I mean, they might have talked about Angela Davis in, in high school, mm-hmm. you know, but we never heard about Asada Shakur or, you know, Fred Hampton or Huey P. Newton. We might have heard uh, just a smidge, just a smidge of Malcolm X. Right, but no Marcus Garvey, no, no W.E.B. Mar- yeah, yeah, yeah. Dubois. Like, yeah. you don't know those people that actually um, had unifications with yeah. the Africans on the continent. Or even Stokely Carmichael. I never heard about Stokely Carmichael in, in right. high school. So there's so many different prominent freedom fighters who I feel like even the conversation surrounding Beyonce and the questions around, you know, appropriation mm-hmm. and appreciation, like what... I think that if we know where we come from and how we've all struggled, and mm-hmm. we have differences, but we're more the same than we are unalike. Yeah. And I just love the fact that um, Mr. Fred Hampton got together with Chicago, quote unquote, gangs mm-hmm. and said, yo, we have a bigger fight. Yeah. We got to stop the, the violence against each other. You know what I mean? That If that was implied today, a lot of the craziness that's going on today wouldn't happen. You know, um, mm. I just found out earlier today, this morning, that um, 20 people were injured from like several gunshots in, in mm. the area we live in. Yeah. And uh, a 12 year old boy died. That's so sad. And that wasn't from a, a police officer. It was from our, our own neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Our own kind. Like the people that we walk around and and sometimes don't even notice, you know? It's a little bit disappointing because I... uh, We are battling so much already that there's not even time to even... Process. There's no time for us to be doing crap like that. Yeah. There's no time for us to be... uh, It's just... It's a mess. And also, I'm mm -hmm. like, how do these... Like, how had... How did DC have so many guns? Like, how do we have so many weapons that are accessible in this in this capital? The gun laws in DC are extremely tight, but the gun laws in Virginia and Northern Maryland are loose. So does that mean people are bringing them to the Washington DC? Mm-hmm. I don't like, know. Like you can go to a gun show in Virginia, no ID, no nothing. Well, maybe an ID, but no really, no real background checks, and just grab a few guns, uh, buy a few guns off of of somebody. Yeah, I don't know much about guns, but I feel like we've been hearing so many stories lately since 2019 up until now where there must be a lot of murders that have happened in the district. Through 2019, I think it was like over 100 and almost 200 deaths, 200 homicides. From gun violence? From gun violence within the neighborhood. And this is within a year you know, hmm. Chicago last week, uh, over 18 people shot and killed. Hmm. But if this was, you know, the Black Panther Party, if the Black Panther Party party was still prevalent today and, and strong. They are prevalent. I mean, you? they're prevalent, but example, Hampton getting everyone together, all the gangs and, 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 and pretty much unifying them, you know, hmm. if someone was able to do that within our neighborhood 
do you yeah, th- I see what you mean. Do, do you think that um, the crime will be as, as rampant as, as it is? I don't know, because we have Black Lives Matter movements in different states as well as the Capitol. However, mm. I don't know if that movement has addressed any issues within our own community communities yeah. where it's, it's it's on the surface where it's like you know we want equality accept us yeah. you know give us permission to have equity whatever but i i don't i have yet to see black lives matter um do the work in facilitating i don't know the communities there was a Peace large and, yeah, the amount community. of money sent to black lives matter um, after the Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, um, uh, what's, what's his last name? Ahmaud. Ahmaud. Aubrey. Aubrey. During the, the, the pandemic, people went out in droves and protested, and um, a lot of money was don- donated to the organization. Mm. But um, it's no real transparency on where the money's going or how the money's being spent or, you know. Yeah, I think it's also sad that we don't quite know, and maybe other people do, but we don't quite know what the Black Lives Matter movement is. Like, I don't know how yeah. many people are in the organization. I don't know any names. Like, yeah. I don't... I do believe that two African women started it. Like, yeah. African-American females started it. But I don't know to what extent that it is, has expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how pe- once one can join, you know, like... It would just make sense to me that, okay, in order to... <laughs> create better circumstances for black kids in America mm-hmm. um, use some of that money to open up community centers use some of that money to um, create mediation programs where you teach kids and, and, and adults how to talk out their problems rather than pull out guns yeah and you know what maybe they are doing that silently yeah. and we yeah. don't know yeah maybe Maybe, and we'll read about it in history, like we read about the Black Panther Party. But I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have all the answers, and, and obviously they don't either. It's just um, it's just troubling just to find out, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a 11-year-old kid, great sports kid, star, played football, basketball, all that, just gets shot by a stray bullet. Or even in uh, the Bronx, no, I think it was in Brooklyn, New York. Um, a one-year-old gets shot. Why? Do, why? Why do you think that they we are killing ourselves? Like, why do you think that there's so many people who are doing this, especially killing children? Like, mm. I feel like you know, if there were was gang activity, are, isn't there a saying that you know you don't mess with or you don't touch it women to and be. children and elders? It used to be. But uh, you know, I think that that's off limits now. Gen- yeah. This generation is is off the rails. <laughs> This generation is is definitely off the rails, but um, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's sad. And I think, well, we know crime happens when it's basically Mm -hmm. proximity-based. In inner cities, there's a lot of crime. Um, In suburbia, there Mm -hmm. may be a lot of crime. if there's what is it say Idaho is it sounds like a very white state or maybe it's not don't don't quote me but uh, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of white on white crime over there or you know yeah I think 
crime period is just is 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 crazy, especially when it deals with children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back actually to activism, mm-hmm. um, let's say, what do you believe the role of an activism is in this day of age? Activism is to teach the 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 the, the youth teach the youth how to love themselves and how to appreciate themselves. If you love yourself, more than likely that will reflect to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know? I think a lot of the a lot of the stuff that's going on today is people who don't have any self love or self discipline or right. maybe not have any positive role models growing up or I don't know. It it differs. It could be it it could be several different things that, that plays into the minds. I mean, don't get me wrong. Police brutality is extremely wrong. Um, I'm a black man. I definitely have my run run-ins with police. A lot of good situations and bad. Um, quick story. I remember it was me and my brother Nate, and we were just hanging out in my car. And we were, you know, teenagers about to go see some 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 young ladies. You know, mm-hmm. we had a bottle in the car, a bottle of alcohol. I think it was gin and juice or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just sitting, waiting for the time to go pick them up and just hanging out, talking in the car. And uh, police just pull up, pull us out the car. What are you N-words doing here? Um, we're looking for the drugs and the, and the guns, this, that, and the third. And um, you guys look like you don't belong here. And I'm just looking around like scared as hell. Sweating. Were you like, on the ground, standing? Just like standing that. there, standing there. But mm-hmm. uh, eventually he had to sit on the uh, the curve. This was like my first negative reaction. I How old were you? Probably like 19, mm-hmm. 18, 19. You know, just, just getting out the house type <laughs> age. Like, we're about to Buying go. Buying some gin and juice. Yeah, you know, we're about to just go get, hang out with the honeys and, 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 and live our best teenage lives. Mm-hmm. The amount of fear I felt. Not because the police pulled us out, but what my mother would think about me if the police just took me back home. Oh, I see. You know, not, I mean, I was afraid of going to jail or being shot and stuff like that, but what I feared the most was, you know, just disappointing moms. Like, and I wasn't really doing it. We wasn't really doing anything. Just mm-hmm. sitting in the car, not doing anything. My boy Nate did have some uh, weed on him. Mm-hmm. They searched us, took everything out the pocket, took the alcohol out the car. Mm-hmm. And um, after the situation, after they searched us and they didn't find anything, they, they just let us go. So they were looking for the drugs and the guns. And drugs and the guns. Gosh, I'm so glad you're still here because you never know. And dude told, dude told us, you know, you can go to jail for this little little bit of weed right here. And I'm looking, and it's like a little half a joint. <laughs> but he was right, wasn't he? He was right. I'm he like, oh, snap, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when I first got my car, I've been pulled over several mm-hmm. times. You know, uh, I had a a, a Chevy Lumina, mm-hmm. a bubble. We call them bubbles in D.C. And um, <laughs> A.K.A., is that a hoopty as well? Yeah, um, it was a hoopty. It was like a 93, <laughs> and it was uh, the year was like 2000-something. But, um. That specific car, I guess it was a hot car. Police just seen this car and was like, oh, it might be some 
crazy stuff activities. Yeah, crazy mm-hmm. activities or whatever. And um, I used to always get pulled over in that car. Mm-hmm. And when I got uh, 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 a Toyota, uh, what was it? I forget what type of Toyota was Nissan it. Oh, you got a Toyota car? I had a Toyota. I mm-hmm. never got pulled over in that joint. Interesting. It's like they target specific so cars. Specific cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's just my, my, my side rant. No, that's fine. Um, I'm just curious because I believe that surprisingly I've seen a lot of youth really speaking up mm-hmm. and actually taking the role on of trying to make a change. Like they're activists as well. Like I was really surprised to see yeah. you know, youth from thirteen to sixteen actually having voices and saying their piece about what they feel about what's going on in society yeah. from, you know, Trump willing, winning the election mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to women's rights to um, police brutality, all sorts of things. So I'm really curious to see how that generation of children end up growing up and being adults, like what, the, how they would, you mm-hmm. know, move and, try to make a difference in the world that they live in. Even climate change has been addressed by these kids. Yeah. And not a lot of adults have been really paying attention, but th- that is their future. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like to them? But I, it's just been very interesting, and I want to see, like, if the next generation of children, like from my 13-year-old sister on to Wami's age group, yeah. you know, kids that are born in 2019, like, wh- how their world would look like, because I also feel like the world is getting smaller mm-hmm. and we are also now taking in information about each other um, that maybe the world may be a lot more profound if, you know, climate change doesn't damage it for us. But I mean, if if we as people don't take climate change seriously, yeah. but I do feel like they may there may be a shift in the world and us trying to, to unify rather than be separate as we have been for many years that's what i like about social media i think social media can be a gift and a curse at the same time Mm -hmm. you know uh, social media basically bring has brought everyone together you know you could talk to somebody on across the world within seconds Mm -hmm. you know and um at the same time that so the negative about social media is that it's basically information overload it is information overload, but it depends on what information that you decide as a person mm. to internalize. Because I think that um, a lot of the, the countries like Zimbabwe where people are afraid to say something yeah, because yeah. they know they're being tracked yeah. for whatever they're saying. Or, you know, the news is unable to tell the truth because they'll get arrested. I yeah. feel like if you have social media and sources that can where you can reach people and actually have access to conversations, you know, through (laughs) certain avenues. Um, That's helpful because then the world can actually know the truth about a place or, yeah. Yeah, just be very careful. Um, When the COVID virus uh, first hit the fan, uh, a lot of uh, Asians um, in that area where it started, were telling the truth about what was really going on and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them were, were like disappearing after. they disappeared but I think they knew the consequences yeah. at least that information came out yeah. and a lot of those people actually warned the world that yeah. this was bigger than we actually thought that it was Absolutely. so had it not been for that information I doubt that we would have been 
aware as people about what's actually, you know, happening. Yeah, so. It just sucks that we have a terrible leader right now. Definitely. <laughs> who's trying his best to control the information that we used to receive. Yeah. So uh, hopefully um, this continues to be a space where we can search the Internet freely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that we don't have restrictions of what information we can retain and read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's all I have for today. Okay, you have a quote? Um, yeah, I'm going to add a quote a little bit later after we finish this. But um, mm-hmm. people, be careful out there. Um, play the long game because uh, the other side is, is playing chess while a lot of us are playing checkers. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you know? yeah. So plan for a hundred years rather than just planning for the next day. Mm. I think that'll be my quote for today. A Philip Anthony quote. <laughs> that was nice. All right, people. Uh, thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. This Thursday, we will have a special guest and artist talk. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Peace. Bye-bye.